Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Flashbacks. Flashbacks. Local legends. Tonight, welcome aboard the great man Barry Solomon's Nord's long-standing ground manager of the Nord Oval, and we thought it was appropriate with uh, Gather Round just happened, and really to probably go through and just give people a bit of an education out there, not only the things for Gather Round, but just upgrades of oval over the years and things which you know Barry and the Nord and the Nord staff, and obviously at all other grounds, have have had to negotiate and get through. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a big week, Baz. Welcome aboard, mate. Yeah, thanks for that. Mate, we'll, 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 we'll start. Uh, how long have you been at Nord and um, how did you get into um, curating the uh, the lovely Nord Oval there? I started at Nord in 1989. Uh, Jay, I made it on James Fantasia, who's the current CEO. I had a chat with me one day and he said, how would you like to work in footy? And so... He set up an interview with Wally Miller. I went down and had a chat with Wall, and that was the beginnings. And I, so the first year I was there, I did baseball with a guy called John Pierce, who was uh, on the ground at the time. And we built a bit of a relationship, and off we went. And baseball sort of stayed at Nord until, or from 1990 to 99 in the National League format. And, um, we, uh, as I said, we built that relationship and um, in 96, I think it was, Johnny uh, Johnny sort of parted company with Nord and Glenn Rosser asked me if I was interested in sort of staying on the Oval. So I took it on and I've been on the Oval ever since. Baz, on, on that, I, I totally understand uh, on a curating side of things that baseball was painful with the, you know, having the, the home, uh, the pitcher's mound, which was basically pretty much at centre half forward, and then the, uh, you know, the base base marks at various spots on the ground. But I've got to be honest, geez, I miss baseball at Nord, Baz. It was the home of baseball. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I, I was never really for it or against it. It was it was very labour intensive. Yes. Um 
right through summer, which coming off the back of a – you couldn't cope with that now, I don't think, because footy is sort of 12 months of the year now. Yeah, but that's true. back in those days, you'd finish footy, you'd go straight into baseball, and you'd be at baseball for three months or – can't remember what period it went for. But oh. it, like you said, a, a, you know, a warm summer's night at Nord, and – I mean, there's there's a few things about baseball I can't talk about, but they were funny. Oh, extremely, extremely. Yeah, look. (laughs) At one stage, the Kensington Nine were all ex Nord High, and I'll be honest. Depending on what time of night that game was, was probably dependent on what we pulled up with the next day. And yeah, there was across the road of the Redlegs Club, and then to the Marrickville and whatever nightclub. Geez, there was some uh, some big nights, Bez. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we, yeah, we had some fun. Um, I mentioned recently about uh, uh, an incident where a bloke wrecked one of the change rooms after being ejected from a game. And he uh, he was an American and he was, you know, 130 kilos, I think, and probably, I can't remember what height, but he was yep. massive, yep. massive man. You know, they had a guy called Kenny Westling who was a team manager, I don't know yeah, if you remember. Yeah, yep, yep. And Kenny, so this bloke gets ejected from the game and Kenny came up to the office and he said to me, he said, Barry, listen, we've got a bit of an incident down in the Western Stand. Do you want to come down and have a look? And I, so I thought, all right, he'll go down there. So I walked down and I got within about 10 metres of the change room and I could hear all this banging and clanging. And I thought, shit, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> so I um, just peered in, and this bloke was dismantling the room. Like he pulled cupboards off the wall, snapped the door in half. And Kenny said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm not doing anything. I'm going back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Courageous, Baz. <laughs> yeah, I said, tell me once the bus is loaded, and I'll go down there and survey the damage. <laughs> do, do you think uh, the baseball at Nord Oval, I mean, obviously because of the stands and the tradition, obviously, of it being at Nord Oval, was what made baseball really special at Nord Oval? Yeah, I think the stands, you know, the, the old southern stand. Yeah. And... Yeah, just that amphitheatre-type setup, and it, just the history of the whole place. You know, it's, it, it was something that was fantastic. But as I said, things move, and it, it's it's hard to see a place for it now. Yeah, not that's that true. Not not that it's up to me, but it's now with the evolution of football, women's football, um, the demands are so high that you just you haven't got that time anymore. Oh, yeah. Some of the residents' letters across the road, James may have showed me a couple at one stage, and oh my goodness, just unbelievable. Like, I'm sorry, baseball was there before you bought your house. Yes. There, and it just, you just shook your head in disbelief. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I think, yeah, I think some of those, some of those people, um, See, baseball, when I first started doing it, was only, I think it was a couple of nights a week. I can't remember now. but it was it, Wednesday nights then, was the big night. Yeah, then it went, eventually it went to like four days a week and they had cannons and they had, you know, music, they had all sorts of yeah. stuff. Putty's sort of doing the same now, but yeah. not, not to that degree. But I think originally that's what sort of got them offside was the constant level of noise and... Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with a lot of those people, and so you could sort of understand. But yeah. that's the way that sport was evolving. Yeah, you know, it's it's just the way that sport goes, and so yeah, 
Let's just cover through, you know, one, how much better drainage is nowadays yeah. compared to the old days. Like the fa- that famous day where we nearly lost Roger James in that in the, in the Ford Pocket yep. at the... Southern, no, Northern End. Northern End, no, yeah. Northern, Northern End. End. Yeah, yeah. Like that's one of the all-time great photos. Uh, of, well, that, that, that night, that night, I think North Melbourne played Adelaide at Footy Park, and there was a there was a storm of biblical proportions that night. On the, sorry, the night before might have been the Friday night, and that was a Saturday game. So, as soon as the rain came in, back in those days, there was practically no drainage at all at North, and because of the compaction, the constant use of the place, the ground compacted a lot. So, if you got Rain, heavy rain, it just wouldn't work through the surface. It'd sort of sit there, and so I, I sort of knew on the Friday night. I thought we're we're going to be in trouble, and as it turned out, um, yeah, we just got a lot of rain. And uh, but you know, back in those days, I remember I joined a, a group at Adelaide Oval in the early nineties, and it was sort of loosely run by Les Burdett, Johnny Hawkins, Shane Harris. That crew who are all Adelaide Oval, either tennis club yep. or bowl, bowling or whatever. And I met a bloke called Chris Trebilsi who had a Verdi drone. And I sort of inquired about it and I found out what it did. And I, I went to, remember Dave Parkinson? Yes. Yes, the late Dave to, Parkinson. Yep. I went to Dave Parkinson and I, I told him about it. And I said, we, we should just try it. Anyway, um, they sort of thought it's a bit of money. I think I think at the time it was like five hundred bucks maybe, but oh. it was just something that we hadn't done before. You know, so I convinced Dave, and off we went. Chris bought it out. We had a crack. Dave saw it operating, and on from there, it, the place has been very drained regularly since nineteen ninety six, uh, amongst a whole host of other things. But with um, using a proper drainage sand in conjunction with the verde draining and just regular cutting and, and a whole host of other things. It's just served us really well. So just, know, e- so. just explain to the uh, the listeners what the verde drain is. Obviously, we know it's for drainage, but how does it actually work? It's got um, spikes that you can vary the depth of the spikes and it's got a crack on it. So as the spikes are going up and down, it cracks backward and forward under, underground. Mm-hmm. So it sort of just opens it up deep down as well. And you can vary the depth all the time. And so that we, we record the depth so that we know where we're going every time we use it. But um, as I said, I, I reckon in conjunction with the drainage sand, that's what transformed Nord over the years. You know, that was, that was probably the biggest thing. And once we started to get a bit of a handle on it, I mean, the other night, even uh, Saturday night, I think we got a lot of rain in between yes. the, yes, the gathering. And it didn't concern me at all. I wasn't, you know, yep. I sort of thought it would just go straight through as it did. And on the Sunday, it was perfect. Oh, it looked fantastic, really Nick. Well. It was in great Nick for both games, Baz. You know, something you should be massively proud of. And that we'll, we'll come back to that. Going, going through, so the drainage... Let's just, just explain to pe- people out there, as again, I'm emphasising that the same thing happens at other grounds. So a redevelopment, like the new lights, uh, the Wolf Blast Centre when that was being built, 
go through some of the stuff there, the changes which happened at the Oval, you know, because, again, emphasising that's happening at other grounds. So just explain over, that and the challenges, Baz. Over the years yeah. at Nord. Well, we had years ago, like, people come into the place, you'll get people visit from interstate and they'll um, they'll walk in and they go, geez, Nord hasn't changed in years. But what they don't understand is behind the scenes there's there's been massive, massive changes, you know. So when I first started, the bars ran off extension cords along the back yes, fences. Yes, that's right. You know, and I remember having a chat with Glenn Cooper one day. Uh, so not Glenn Cooper, Glenn Rosser. And I said to him, what, what's happening up on Cooper's Hill is that people are getting pass-outs. They, they can't get served quick enough, and they're getting pass-outs. They're going up the Nord Hotel, buying piss and bringing it back. And I said, is there, you know, is there a way that we could look at maybe redoing the bar? And as it turned out, I think he got on to Glenn Cooper and they had a chat. And Jerry Dantokia ended up building the bar. But for the first time, they underground the power services. Um, and Cooper's Hill at that stage, I think, I, I can't remember exactly, but I, I think on the first night, like it doubled the turnover yeah. the first night in that new format. And then there was, you remember, you guys would remember the Stobie poles at the southern end. Yes. That were, that were installed for, I believe they were installed for baseball originally. Yep. Um, so we had the two at the southern end and then we had four other towers. And over a period of time, and once again, my memory is failing me a bit, but it would have been in the 90s, I reckon, we, um, the towers became unsafe to work on. Yep. So especially the, especially the ones at the northern end, um, it just became unsafe to work on. And I, I met a bloke one day. He uh, he did public lighting for the council and had a bit of a chat with him and told him what we could potentially look at. And he went away and he came up with the original drawings for the for the next set of four towers. You know, so that went on to the council. I believe, and from there, in 2010, we replaced the light towers, which, you know, replaced the old ones, which have yeah. been there, okay. Yeah. That would have been 50 years at least. So that was the that was the start of something massive, you know, because they, they were really good-looking towers and they served a purpose again. But there was, when we sold the Red Leagues Club when we created Cooper's Corner outside the RSL. Yep. Um, it was obviously a need. Once the Red Leagues Club went down, Nord people just didn't have anywhere to go on a match day. Yeah. So we that was the old tractor shed. And, oh, of course uh, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was a dead end down there. Like it didn't see many people. So we gutted it out and rebuilt it into what it is today. And once again, it sort of bounces off Cooper's Hill, gives that – both ends of the ground bounce off each other. Yeah. So there was that. There was obviously now the Wolf Glass Centre, which is fantastic. And that, you know, that's been, I think, three years in the making. It took, when I say three years in the making, I think it was 2003 to 2018 or something. Yeah. Uh, in, in trying to make it happen. But it was three years in the building. Um, and there's been a host of other things along the way, you know. The the 
and a lot of them have been. I remember there was a guy at the council, Alan Pickering, that I met in the once again. I think it was in the late nineties, and collectively we devised a fifteen-year working plan for the Oval, which meant the restoration of the southern grandstand roof, yes. the eaves, the gutters, all that sort of thing, um, the rails on the western grandstand on the front walkway, uh, the renaming, you know, the um, Sir Edwin Smith nameplate on the yep. grandstand and, and the, other, the fascia on the western grandstand. So they, amongst a host of other things that went on, um, and that was quite good. Yeah, you because know, it kept everyone in line. We had our obligations; they had their obligations, and it was brilliant. You know. And was there an upgraded sprinkler system there as well? In amongst yeah, that? Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, mate. I've been I've been sick all day, so I'm, I'm a bit a bit hazy. Okay. Um, yeah, we 1970, I think it was the first irrigation system went in, and uh. It was like in 1970, it was state of the art. I think it was one of the first um, irrigation systems of that type. You know, to cut a long story short, in the mid 90s, I found a bloke, and his name was Jim Lawler. Anyway, he, I think he was in a nursing home at the time. Anyway, I had a chat with him, and he said, My God, he goes, Don't tell me it's still there. That was in the 90s. So, over the years, Bob Dawson, Smokey Dawson, yep, yep. Used, to, used to patch it up and we'd put Band-Aids on it and try and keep it going. And then, but once footy became really intense and you were you were going at it 12 months of the year, we thought, shit, we've got to do something because it's just the spacings of the sprinklers were 21 metres apart. And so you'd have to judge wind at night quite often. Like you judge it either way, oh, okay. whether it was windy yeah. or not windy, wow. to try and make sure that you got a cover. So I had a chat with the boys at the council, and once again they acted on it. And last year, I think it was 2021, might have been 2021, um, they replaced it all. And so it's fantastic now. The spacings now, I think, are 15 metres apart. So there's good coverage. Um, the sprinklers are opposing nozzles, so you're getting cover right around as they rotate. And oh. I, th- I think once again, that's been significant in helping the helping the grass to really harden up and, you know. And just yeah. on that too, Baz, just, I'm just thinking of when the building was doing for the Wolf, Wolf Blast Centre. I'm thinking of all the wires which are around and, of how much stuff you you guys had to do, uh, I reckon at one stage we had to make sure that the the ditch was being done in the right spot and had to move it to some degree and just things like that, which people would have no idea how much work goes on behind the scenes. Uh, as I said, Mel, look, some of the stuff is hazy to me, really. I I just remember that there was so much going on and we were trying to run a footy season. Yeah in amongst it. So it – and you had to. You know, there were people who said you had, should shut the ground down, but it's impossible. You can't – you know, we, we had to play footy. Um, but there were all, just so many things. I mean, all, the, I think the thing that sticks in my mind is for the last three or four years, 
there's hardly been a day when there hasn't been noise of some description yeah. or or someone ringing at 6 o'clock in the morning wanting access to something. Or And I said to my wife the other day, I said, uh, the, the Monday after the gather round was the first day since December the 16th that I hadn't arrived at Norwood to see people everywhere. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and so it was beautiful. It was so <laughs> peaceful. But that, that was probably the thing that stuck in my mind. And then behind the scenes, um, like you said, all the stuff that goes on that people aren't aware of, it, it's just amazing because it's a, the ground's 122 years old. Yeah. So it's really old, you know. And we, then over the years, there's been a lot of patching up and a lot of stuff that's gone on that people weren't aware of. Um, so you find stuff all the time, and then you've got to you've got to make sure that you whatever changes you're making are compliant. And um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. So so leading on to obviously the AFLW comes to Nord Oval. Um, how much? Lead time did you get for that to prepare the oval and the facilities there? The AFLW, I reckon the first time around, 2017, I think it was. Yeah, the first game was the Crows and Brisbane was the first, yeah. first game. And I, and I reckon we had a bit of time up our sleeve back then. Um, but once again, footy doesn't stop, really. It's, no. So you're, you're always trying to balance things. And that's it's a credit this time around. Um, to all the different football departments with this gather round that everyone just hung tough and, you know, there were, there were people off offshore everywhere, you know, we, they were shipping them out, training at different places. So yeah. it's a credit to everyone, not not just Nord, but all the other facilities yes. that allowed us to train and, you know, backed it in and whatever. But the, the AFLW... Yeah, that was interesting. That first Brisbane Adelaide game, I reckon we had thirteen and a half thousand. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was a fair buzz. Um, but you know, that's that's what happens. We're always trying to balance out what we're doing, and you know, trying to provide the best. I remember, to be honest with you, I, I said to a group of kids a couple of weeks ago, the thing that really got me going on the Oval was one day. Maddie Kelly, Matthew Kelly was a Crows listed player. Reckless, and, yep. And he got hurt at Norwood. Against a, Sturt, yep, yeah. On an, a really unstable part of the ground. And um, and it was bad, you know, he, he got pretty badly hurt. Yeah. And he, he uh, and from that day on, I sort of looked and I thought, I never want that to happen again, not, not to anyone, you know, yeah. but to to see someone's career impacted and whatever. He slipped and, under Corey Gray because Corey played for uni, so I'd, I'd yeah. spoken about it with Corey at length and he said he, he nearly vomited on the spot with just seeing yeah. uh, Matty's, but, Matty's leg. Yeah. But, you know, back in those days, right? I mean, you guys remember how the ovals all oh, were. yeah. Yeah. You know? very, very boggy. Yeah, it was just accepted that that's how it was and, you know, it's just very – and the, the shame of it is that when it's wet, it's not too bad, but once it dries up, it's a whole new ball yeah. game because the ground becomes hard and there's nothing you can do with it. Oh, the so, ground's just everywhere. I, I I think back playing playing for Adelaide Uni a game at Adelaide Lutheran to uh, Adelaide Lutheran on West Terrace. One of our guys kicked the ball and his boot came off, and we turned around. We couldn't find his boot ever again. It had sunk sunk in. No one ever found his boot. Wow. You think yeah. 
think of that compared to the league grounds. Like, you know, yeah. it just everywhere, everywhere was. Uni Oval used to absolutely, it was terrible, and it stunk to train yeah. on. But from the from the whiff from the Torrens at five o'clock, it was worse at training than it was game time. And yeah. I just think no, no. Nowadays, anyone complaining about a ground, they've got no idea. Like there was a bit of carry on last year at Nord, where Baz, we were just so unlucky to cop the wet weather where that state primary school's carnival was on. And there was a bit of carry on with the game against Glenelg, and realistically, the oval was yeah. still in bloody good nick. It was it was ridiculous. Look, mate, we we run a sizable football program exactly that that goes for a fair portion of the year. And the last year was just a combination of some really wet weather and a, a massive workload. And in the end, it just happened that it got to that point of the year where there was there was going to be a tipping point. And, you know, but at the same time, the ground never, as, as bad as it looked, it still drained. Yeah. You know, I mean, there were moments where it was wet, where it was raining. But after that, I remember in 2010, 2011, we were coming up to a baseball final series and I I was sort of advised. So what happened was the baseball final series was going to be telecast in America on in whatever it's called. Uh, What's the... Sporting, their sporting channel there. They got a, and you know they were going to telecast it live into the states. And Pat Kelly was the general manager yep, at yep. the time of the bite. Anyway, we had a chat with Pat Kelly, and we wanted to make it look a million bucks. Anyway, I, I and it was my fault. I I got a bit too cute, and we over fertilised, and we just suddenly all the things that we didn't want to happen happened. It just – and so it turned – it just turned bad and the ground just completely packed up in the following season. And I remember Keith, Keith Thomas came out one day and he goes, what do you think we should do? And this was early in the season and I said to him, mate, we, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing we can do. All we can do is just hold on and hope that we yep. get some good luck, you know. You know, as it turned out, Norwood played North, and it was probably round fifteen. Yeah, and yep. it, was, it was it was a live telecast, and that Friday night, so it was a Saturday game. On the Friday night, it poured all night, and the ground was already like it was last year against the Bays. It was already in that sort of state. Yeah. Anyway, so on the Saturday morning, we had like just before the reserves game, we had another ten mil. Then we had five during the game. And it was just, it was, yeah, you could have built the ark. And, anyway, it was bad, like really bogged up. But in that, in the reserves game, I think it was 15 goals to 10. And in the league game, I think it was 17 goals to 12 or something. Yeah. So so the ground actually drained. And in the last quarter, one of the Nord blokes bounced up the wing, was taking bounces. So I looked and I thought, as bad as it was, the old girl, these days, it just responds. You know, like it, we do all the right things, the best that we can possibly do given the environment that we work in. But we 
but it always responds. You know, I love it. And I love it. on together around this year, that the final was you know probably a bit more assistance by AFL, and so there was a bit more funds around than what there's obviously is normal. So how often were you, you know, you fertilising? How often were you mowing? You seem to be mowing it just about every day, Baz. Uh, it was in the end. It was four days a week. Yeah, uh, four four cuts a week, um, and the AFL were fantastic. They engaged the boys at Adelaide Oval to pop out and give us a hand. So, yep. they, and they were incredible, like Damien Hoff, yep. Todd Heinrich, and Caleb Hearn, and they spent a bit of time out there, especially over that last month. So, as you can imagine, coming up to um, coming up to the gather round. Everyone was just under the pump, you know. I think one day I had something like 140 calls for the day, and it was it just insane. I'd yeah. never worked in an environment like that. It was mad, but so rewarding. And the fact that they they the Adelaide Oval boys came out, it was brilliant, you know, because we learnt so much off them, and they weren't hiding any secrets. You know, they they were sort of full of knowledge and yeah, and so. You know, a lot of it you can attribute to that and the AFL and Nord, you know, like the fact that everyone wanted to drive in the same direction. Um, and as I said, you know, the impact on Nord, like we're still trying to run a season. Yes. Uh, and it was a credit to James, to Twig, to everyone, that everyone just held their nerve. And we, you know, as much as that, I'm, I'm sure there were some days where, you know, everyone wanted to kill each other, but yeah. we... We hung on, and, and I think in the end, it actually worked out all. How, how much lead time did you get from the AFL in um, in preparing? Because uh, the state government only had about five months to to sort of get this all organised in. Um, how soon did you guys find out that it was going to be Nord Oval as as a host venue? Well, what happened was we, I think originally we were notified that we were in the hunt. Yeah, I think, but in November we changed the light towers. So we, we had a refit of all brand-new light towers yeah. going, going over to LED. So we come off the grand final win um, and we went straight into the light tower project. So the ground was already under the pump at the end of the season, had a brilliant grand final victory, went into the light tower project, and then straight after the light tower project, uh, at that stage we knew that it was on and that we, we didn't have much time to really start to turn things around, so, um, so it was a, it was just full hammer, you know. Oh, and the, and the light tower thing was a huge a huge job. Um, again, people just don't notice that. They, you, oh, all of a sudden, there's lights up. Oh, that's different. Well, they have no idea how much goes on to make no, sure well, that the, happens. Well, the unique thing about Norwood, you can't access anything without being on the ground, mm-hmm. and because of the cost of, of flooring an oval to to protect it, it's just a massive cost. It's so they went in ill natural really, and it, unfortunately we had, I think it was twenty out of thirty days it was wet. Yeah. But as as again with everything that's happened, it's an absolute credit to everyone that everyone did the best that they could possibly do. You know, and how good. And how good did, did the old girl look in the end, Baz, and, and how rightly you, you were grinning like a Cheshire cat last weekend and so you bloody so you bloody should have been, mate. I think it was just a collective effort. 
and and behind the scenes to know what had actually gone on and where we'd come from to to arrive at that. I remember the first time the AFL popped out to have a look. I think they sort of just looked and thought, mm, this is pretty horrific, you know. But the fact that we were able to, as a group, turn it around and it was just, it was so rewarding and so satisfying because of where we'd come from, you know. The time frames, I mean, there was a whole lot of stuff. There was the, the rebuild of the main canteen yep. at the southern end, which which meant that that was a building site for three months. There was um, the refit of the coaches' boxes in the western stand. Uh, you know, there was power cuts. There were there was all sorts of stuff. So you had two building sites, and you had a ground that needed desperate work. Um, and then on top of that, everything else that went on. And I think the funny part about it is, like, people turn up to an AFL game and they watch the game and they go. But they don't realise behind the scenes the signage, the, you know, the grass art, the, you know, people involved at all the different levels, you know, scaffold people and, yeah, it's crazy. I thought with the crowd there, Baz, I just thought we should have locked everyone in, mate, not let, not allowed anyone to go. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was, good. It was a good weekend. Oh, it did, was. Did, yeah. you, did you get five minutes to sit back and actually watch some of the footy on the weekend? Yeah, I went um, – I sort of got the girls a position up in the southern stand, my my girls. And yep. so for a period there, I think it was on the Sunday other, I went up there and just sat with my daughter and, yeah, just had a look at it. It was great, you know, to see that sort of vibe. And, you know, I mean, just a massive thank you to the government and to the AFL, to the North Council. But you had to, to you the, had to put up with Will Bakewell in the grandstand up there with you, mate. So that was a pretty big, big, significant uh, out of you. G'day, Will. I'm sure you'll enjoy your mention there. Where, where, where was that? What was that? I'm from? just saying with your daughter with Will Bakewell on a Sunday. So you know that <laughs> that was a big commitment by you as well, mate. So touche, Will. William. Yes. Yeah. yes. So no, but I mean, and the board of the footy club, you know, the board just fantastic. That they they had the faith because there, there were days where I'm sure they looked and thought mm, maybe this maybe this is a bridge too far but they held firm and as I said it was just brilliant to see the whole state pull together. Oh, it was to all, and that was the know? thing with me, Baz. I, I don't I don't think there would be a per, a supporter from a club I didn't speak to last weekend. I spent a fair bit of time in at the you know, the footy bit in the, in Elder Park and all that. And it was just awesome. Look, I'm not an AFL person. I'm far more an SNFL person. But it was absolutely awesome to finally have something which wasn't Victorian-centric and be here and appreciate it. And the atmosphere it was, it was just like the inaugural Grand Prix. And we're going to cover it again a bit later on. And it was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was a, if MP had scored that goal, that last goal, I reckon the place would have exploded. Yeah, because it was a pro. And to our credit, and to your to you, Baz, Hawthorne have already requested to play again at Nord Oval next year. So hopefully that does help us keep at least one game. Yeah, that'd be good. I, yeah. I think. And, yeah. As I said, to, to, I, I can't ever remember a time when there was such a good feeling and people were, you know, even in the in the turf industry, you know, guys all texting each other yeah. at Mount Barker. 
Yeah, yeah. Mount Barker, Matty Sampson at Unley. Everyone just texting each other, is everyone all right? How, how you're going? And it was fantastic, you know, that just everyone bonded together. And I think that's a key point, Baz. It's a really important point, exactly that. Everyone bonded together. It's, it was a unique atmosphere, um, you know, a unique experience, experience really, even yeah. I actually went out to Unley for the Collingwood training on Sunday morning, got asked upstairs to Sturt's News facility, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just things like that. It, it was just a goodwill vibe with so many things. Yeah. I, I, as I said, I just, it's just a massive – we're just blessed that we were given the opportunity, I think. And, and if we hopefully but, we keep it next year and – Hopefully, therefore, I would say that the canteen at the scoreboard end gets the same treatment as the canteen did at the other end would be fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. we'll wait and see on that one. Yeah. Mate, we have to ask, uh, there's probably some games that stick out in your mind. Uh, let's start with the baseball. Is there one particular baseball game that sticks out for you over the years? I think there were numerous things that happened in baseball. One night, Tony Harris handed me a, a bat and put me on home plate and threw a few balls to me, and I didn't <laughs> hit one. I didn't hit one book. And he was only just lollipopping him, and I said, mate, this is, there's something going on here. But, anyway, that stood out. So yeah. that showed me that I wasn't a baseball. <laughs> and then um, there, was a, there was a final one night, and there was a guy called Craig Watts, Yes, Goodwood Saints football. Yes, yes. Big Burley. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so he was, I reckon he was a lefty. Yes. Correct. And he's, so the bases were loaded, maybe, and it was the end, it was in the ninth innings. And Adelaide needed a run to win. And Watts has stepped up and he's pumped this ball down the Western Grandstand line. And it, went over the home run fence and it bounced in the driveway and I think might have even hit the wall of the RSL, wow. which is a massive, uh-huh. massive hit. And Adelaide got up. There was that. There was there's some of the personalities in baseball were fantastic over the years. And, then, the and then obviously we'll, we'll split the next question into two here. The SNFL, some key highlights from the, uh, the SNFL days? I reckon the SNFL... There was a there was a um, Nord North game, and myself and Gavin Goodfellow were in the race. We were at, we were at the southern end in the tunnel, I think, and it was coming on half time, and there was all this commotion. And there's a guy called Christian O'Brien. Yes, windscreens. Yep. Yeah, big Obi. You know, he um, we saw Obi pumping. His legs were pumping. He got 100 mile an hour. And he's running towards the race. And I, I thought, well, maybe he's got to go to the toilet. But, you know, in the bottom of the race, it was on. And you remember, you probably both remember it. It was, it was a massive blue in the race, in the players' race. I certainly and, remember what? the Nord West one with Bodie and uh, Collins. And I remember the Nord Central's one down yes, down the, the southern end, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Nord and Central's. I remember a game in... Well, and that was another one was Norden Centrals in 2000 when Centrals were making their run to their first premiership. And it was on a Friday night and David Walk, I think, was the general manager and South were playing West at Adelaide Oval. 
And so a lot of the cops went to Adelaide because I think they got better sandwiches and whatever. <laughs> anyway, so they, so here we were. I think we had just under 10,000 people Friday night. Central's making a run for it. And I think traditionally Central's had come to Nord and win the early game in the year. And then later in the latter part of the year, Nord would always run over them. But that night... Centrals came from behind and I was standing in the Western Tunnel and I saw a flare go off in the Southern Grandstand. It was like an orange flare. And I remember I got in contact with Walkie and I said, hey, mate, listen, I don't feel good about this. I reckon the, it just felt bad. Like it felt like the, the, something was going to go problem. wrong, yeah. Yeah. So I rang the cops and just said, look, well, I think it's, you know, maybe get a, better have a presence out here. So I went out in the southern car park. Uh, before that, there was a 44-gallon drum. We used to have these 44-gallon drums up on Cooper's Hill. And this 44-gallon drum got lobbed through the air. And a father put his kid out in the pocket while the play was on. And I looked and I thought, that is unusual to, to land your kid out on the field while the play's on. Wow. Anyway, so I went out to the southern car park to meet the cops and they the car turned up and this one bloke got out with two girls. And I remember saying to him, is is this it? Like, you, is this the three of you? Yeah, yeah, we're all right, we're all right. Show us where the problem is. <laughs> so I thought, all right. So I walked them around to the main canteen at Gate 1 and they got just to the start of the ramp and they've looked up on Cooper's Hill. And on Cooper's Hill there was Dennis McIntosh, <laughs> George, George Dantokia, like it was. Yeah, it was frightening. Anyway, they they just got to the start of the ramp and these coppers grabbed his radio and his breaker breaker. You could tell straight away. <laughs> they called they called for the reinforcement straight away. Oh. But it was it was on. It was completely on. And it, and Central's got up and won. And I think Scott Lee maybe climbed up a point post at the end of the game. And they, the the Central's cheer squad would just go and berserk. But atmosphere. It was incredible atmosphere. Maybe not supported these days by people, but the atmosphere was electric, you know. And then obviously the AFL, uh, obviously the first AFLW game there and, and obviously Gather Round would probably be the two highlights. Oh, I can think of a grand final where uh, a Paynham uh, Nord Union's uh, Salisbury <laughs> grand final, Baz, probably we can, uh, we can discuss a little bit of it and probably... 90% oh, of it can't go to air, but you can probably discuss 5%. And a previous oh, yeah. guest give, on our show, Brett Dorsey, may have been ha- may have been handy that, that night. But, to, you know, yeah. but, you know, to to sort of back that up, it, that was that was years ago. Yeah. And I know that the whole game and, and sport in general has changed. You know, a lot of things are not acceptable. That wasn't acceptable then. Oh, but you sort of look at it and you think, for me personally, I look back over the years at all the moments and I think – I don't, I don't regret anything, and I don't. I just look at it, and I think it was just part and parcel of what went on. I know? think back to that day. I actually, in some ways, regard that as Gary McIntosh's greatest hour. That he very, very firmly went to paint him. There'd be no retaliation and no uh, yeah. thing. And if Macca hadn't done that, I actually think that would have ended up as the got biggest, out of control. I think it would have been oh, the biggest would, brawl yeah. ever at footy in South Australia. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a complete riot, yeah. without a doubt. But Macca, you're right. 
yeah, to, to deliver that message that it doesn't matter what happens, play the ball and just – and I think they ended up winning by 145 oh, points as well. Oh, it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. And I, I know I shouldn't say this, but what stood out in my mind about that was in the last quarter, Payneham had a full forward or one of the forward line players, and they're up by 130 points, I think it was. He ran – he kicked a goal. He ran to the Cooper's Hill pocket and he sculled a beer. <laughs> like his mate, his mate's on the hill. And he sculled this beer. He got back on the lead and took another mark and kicked another goal. So it all happened without a break, without a pause. Just sculled the beer, got back on the lead, took a mark, kicked another goal. Welcome to lo- local welcome. footy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably one of the mild, mild things to happen that day too, Baz. Yeah. But it, but uh, as I said before, you know, like you can't condone stuff and whatever, but stuff stuff happens. And yeah. it, and I, I look back on it and I'm, I mean, I'm 60 now and I look back on it and I think I've been absolutely blessed over the years to be involved in something that means so much to so many people at every different level, you know. And Yeah, yeah that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you know, just something that turns people around and, yeah, it's – yeah, I mean, even – we use a, a bloke on the scoreboard at junior games, or we I think yep. he still does it. Yep. And that guy is just respected by everyone. You know, everyone treats him well. He's autistic, and they treat him well, and he's loved. You know, and he, he performs a service. He goes up there. And I remember, yep. we, I won't name him, I don't think, but he one day there was an amateur grand final, and – the Crows were playing West Coast, so it was probably around 2005, 2006, they were playing West Coast in a prelim at Footy Park. And this bloke, if the game ended and the Crows and West Coast had a later finishing time, so the amateurs finished and it was nearing dark at Nord and Vinny's up on the scoreboard and he's he's updating the AFL scores. That's right. Point, yeah. point for point in the dark, and the families who are waiting for their kids, they're just looking at me and go, What's the story with this bloke? And I said, Oh, he's just in the moment, you know, he's sort yeah. of yeah. He's got it all happening. So, yeah. Well, mate, but, we uh, we have to say thank you for uh, preparing um, not a fantastic ground at Nord Oval, but in general, the uh, the, the gather round really brought out the best in the old girl, uh, 122 years. Um, Old and she looked uh, at her peak, really. Well, I, I just once again, like, it had less to do with me and a lot more to do with a lot of other people, you know. No. I, I just I just played a role, but there was... No, so Baz, take your hour. Take your hour, no. mate. Thank you. So, thank so you, thank you, effort. thank you. That's the words no to worries. be spoken, Baz. No worries, boys. All right. Thanks for the chat. Thanks, Baz. Thank you for joining us and giving us your insights into uh, a bit of turf care at the Nord Oval. No worries. Thanks, Baz. Thank you, mate. Bye.